This episode is brought to you by Coaxium. Coaxium, the ultimate MacGuffin in the universe. I may be the only person in the galaxy who knows what you really are. Oh yeah? What's that? A podcaster. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Voice of the Rebellion. I'm Mark, and sitting here with me is not Gabe. No, in fact, I've got Brian here with me. Hi, guys. So, I've known Brian for... 12 years now? Oh, goodness, yeah. It's been it's so long. Be something like that. Yeah. And uh, I'm over here in Bahrain right now, and he is in Bahrain. And um, we were together on the Enterprise, the USS Enterprise. And yes, I understand, this is a Star Wars podcast. Touchy subject. It's a touchy subject. So, <laughs> um, but we, uh, we've known each other for... A long time now, we actually played the Star Wars role-playing game mm -hmm. when we were t on the Enterprise during deployment, mm -hmm. um, and now we're here in, well, now would you say that Bahrain is Jakku, uh, Jeddah, or Tatooine? Is Alderaan not an option? I, I think <laughs> that, um, I would say more Tatooine. Yeah, I, I would say more Tatooine because it's uh, it has some very redemptive. That's not a word, but but yeah, there are a lot of yeah. redeeming features yeah. uh, to this place. I feel like Jakku has none. I, yeah, I like Jakku's just, just, just empty desert. Exactly. This I feel like Tatooine. There are some like low level slash mid level heroics, and yeah. I, I feel like this place kind of embodies that. Yeah, but what about? Um, Jetta, that was the planet in Rogue One. They had like the whole the cosmopolitan mm -hmm. area and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That's close, but I feel like it's much more of a tattoo. I feel like it'd be place. more. I feel like I feel like Jetta would be more UAE, maybe Dubai. Yeah, you know what you're I mean right. because it's yeah. very like ritzy glitzy at that point, and, yeah. and that's yeah. what kind of in UAE is kind of the jewel of this region, where Bahrain is like the poor man's UAE. Yeah, so. that's true. So, um, no, no offense that I meant yeah. no offense by that. <laughs> I love Bahrain. That's why yeah. I'm here a second time. But, uh, but Bahrain has been trying to do what UAE has been trying to do for a very long time. And yeah. They're getting there, but they're just not quite there yet. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. So let's go ahead and get into some news here. Um, first of all, uh, Solo is not performing super well in the box office. Um, it only ended up making like $75 million dollars. On opening weekend, no, maybe, maybe it was more, but um, only about it was it was a lot less than people were expecting it to, um, which there's multiple thoughts as to why that happened. Um, one of them is is that we just had both Deadpool two and um, Infinity War, so you know people are have been forking over cash like just a tough time to compete. Yeah, you know. and. I mean, when I take my family to go see movies, now I wouldn't be taking them to see Deadpool 2, but 
<laughs> when you, if I, you know you got a family of four or something and you're going to the movies, that's like seventy bucks. Like once you like get tickets and food and everything, and so I could see that. Um, also, another thought is is that some people just want them to start branching out a bit more mm-hmm. and just continually doing origin stories for characters is kind of wearing on people. Um, another thought is you've got the the angry, I'm going to say quote-unquote fanboys because they aren't really fanboys. They're just angry that there's there's women in <laughs> movies now. Angry regular people. <laughs> and so they're really angry that they have women in movies now. And so to punish Lucasfilm for making so many movies with all these damn women, they've decided to punish them by boycotting the movie that well, is all dudes. Well, women and <laughs> races, right? Because that yeah. was the big thing. Uh, they were really angry. Force Awakens and mm-hmm. stuff. That oh my god, there's a black guy. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Exactly. And yeah. Now and now you have um, these not only not only uh, black actors and actresses, but big names like uh, Tandy Newton, who's yeah. been you know amazing forever. Yeah. You know? So Donald uh, Glover. Yeah. It, oh my god. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like so. So, the, yeah. so but they've decided to punish the movie that stars a white dude. Yes. <laughs> so they're, yes. so what's going to end up happening is Lucasfilm's going to look at it and say, well, the last three Star Wars movies we made made a ton of money mm-hmm. and we're all starring women as their big main character. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess white men just don't make money anymore and they're not going to make any more movies for the racists and the, <sighs> and the misogynists. But I think also uh, another little notch in this is that there's a possibility that because when say if we're going to compare and contrast with infinity war right we were going to say that when infinity war came out facebook was like hey no spoilers but holy shit you know what i mean like yeah you need to see this because it's messed up you know what i mean solo came out and it was like reviews were it was all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it it's didn't good. Get the fan You'll fare. be so surprised as to whether or not Han Solo survives this one. <laughs> so I think that might have done it a little bit of disservice yeah. that it didn't have the hook that, yeah. that yeah. Infinity War had. And the fact that it came out just, you know, a few weeks before. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's any fault of uh, Solo. In fact, uh, we just got out of it, you know, what, 20 minutes ago? The second time. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, the second time. Uh, another benefit of Bahrain is very cheap movie theater. Yeah, they're four dollars <laughs> a ticket, and they don't care if you bring your own food in. No, no. So I spent a total. I spent less than ten dollars on all of my food, and and you bought my ticket, and I bought your ticket. Yeah. So, so yeah, pretty yeah. outstanding. Um. So yeah, so I'm probably gonna go even go maybe go see it again, possibly while I'm here. Why not? And I'm probably gonna take my kids to go see it when I get back. Spokane as well, so mm-hmm. I will I will soon know it as well as I know Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. If I that is if I watch Han Solo every single day throughout high school, like I did with Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and uh, hit the other piece of news: is they've got a director for Boba Fett. Um, the James Mangold is in talks right now. Um, he directed and I think also wrote Logan, which is good because Logan was really good. Uh, the thing is, is that it's another one of those movies where you're like, okay, but 
but why? Because it's not even like Boba Fett has any kind of any kind of hook at all. Like with Han Solo, it was like, okay, what's the Kessel Run, and how did he get this ship? Because we know that Lando mm-hmm. was in some way involved. Like there was little like pieces of mm-hmm. history that were mentioned, but like Boba Fett, like we know his origin story, mm-hmm. and then the next we see him, like they don't address things that ever happened off screen. He's just Boba Fett, and he gets eaten by the Sarlacc. So, if we step outside the meta for a second, I think yeah. this is a good choice. Just because, first of all, you took um, you took a starving franchise at that point, which yeah. was which was the Wolverine movies, which were just like step down after step down. Right? Yeah, you brought in uh, Mangold. Logan was off the charts. I I loved Logan. Um, yeah, and so. I'm not saying that this is a starving franchise, far from it, but if you come off the heels of this uh, film that didn't do quite as well as you thought it would in Solo, Mm -hmm. and you want to breathe some life into it, maybe this is the guy, because he obviously has experience in that. You know what I mean? He breathed breathed life into this uh, franchise that was kind of dwindling, and uh, and closed it off very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he, you know, some of that same magic might be able to come forth for... Yeah, Fed as well. They did. Um, there, there has been a fan petition online to get Taika Waititi to be Boba Fett because he is also Maori, just like uh, uh, Tamora Morrison, I believe, was the the actor who played uh, Jango Fett. Um, Taika Waititi was the director of Thor Ragnarok, and he also played Korg, the big giant rock man, in that. And he's a comedian, and he's hilarious. And it would be fantastic to see him as Boba Fett. But then when somebody ended up tweeting out, hey, can we get Taika Waititi, Daniel Logan put out, oh, or hey, maybe Daniel Logan. <laughs> he played Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. And now he's in his like mid-20s, so he'd actually work pretty, re- pretty well for, um, for Boba Fett. Like, there's no reason why he couldn't play Boba Fett now. He also played Boba Fett on the um, Clone Wars cartoon series. So it's not like he's very familiar with the whole thing. Um, Now one thing that I saw suggested online that I thought was brilliant is because we don't really ever see Boba Fett as a badass. Like he's sort of like the only thing he does successfully is follow the Millennium Falcon by hiding in the trash. So he's a trash dweller who follows Han Solo is given Han is given Han Solo, and then gets eaten by a sarlacc. So somebody online suggested that it'd be great if you saw Boba Fett as just this completely fumbling bounty hunter who is completely incompetent, bumbled his way through everything, but somehow always managed to succeed and be brilliant at whatever he did. <laughs> Not terribly unlike Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. It, Han Solo's got a little bit more wherewithal, but not by a yeah. like a drastic. But amount. If, what if Boba Fett had like a publicist who was like <laughs> spinning all of his failures to be like these amazing things? It'd be pretty great. Yeah, I mean, or just like you know, have this scene where you know, uh, the syndicate or whatever is telling yeah. him like, oh, if it weren't weren't for your dad, you wouldn't even be here. Like, yeah. if you wouldn't, yeah. dad, your dad was a legend and you're terrible, but... You're riding his coattails, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That would be great. 
Another thing is is that I think we talked about this probably on a much earlier episode in passing that Millie Bobby Brown really wants to play Leia. Like at a at a con, she was asked who is um, her dream role, and she said Princess Leia. Um, I had put out a tweet actually um, like a week ago with a picture of Millie Bobby Brown next to Princess Leia saying, you need to do this, guys. We don't want a, ha- we don't want a Boba Fett movie. We want a Princess Leia movie. Everybody lost their minds, and I ended up with, like, 3,000 <laughs> likes and, like, like 600 retweets. My entire my phone, I couldn't actually get anything done because the alerts kept popping up. <laughs> and as First much, world problems. Well, and as much as I was like, oh, I could just mute this conversation so I don't have to worry about it, my ego wouldn't let me, and it was like, no, <laughs> let it flow over you. <laughs> so Millie Bobby Brown would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you think you you were thinking so too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have like a little pool of people. I think in the because we had discussed the the Meryl Streep thing. Yeah, and Meryl Streep I as think, replacing Leia yes, for 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 aged Leia. Right? Yeah, well, that was the idea for it for um, Episode Nine to bring her back. They were like, there's rumor that Meryl Streep's going to be replacing her, which and mine. I don't like. You you would have to replace her with a legend, right? Yeah. But Meryl Streep's not the right one. She I doesn't look like her at all. I am. Weird I immediately thought, and she doesn't look like her terribly, but I immediately was drawn to Kate Blanchett because yeah. I think, I well, she was phenomenal in Ragnarok, just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she kind of has that larger than life aura that she's yeah. able to. Uh, and ca- to capture like Carrie Fisher was like when she yeah. walked on screen like regardless of uh, of uh, her age she's able yeah. to just she just something the problem draws is you that, to her the, pro- the problem is that Carrie Fisher is at an age where she looked like a grandma by the time true and Kate Blanchett does not does not at all <laughs> yeah I could see her I could see Kate Blanchett doing a movie that took place in between that's true. Um, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, you would almost need... Yeah. So you'd have to get a much older... Like, it would not work, and I don't... I'm not endorsing this, but, like, somebody like Sally Field mm. playing Leia for episode nine. Yeah. But but anyway, I would love to see yes. Millie Bobby Brown Millie Bobby in Brown. a prequel. Yes. Um, I actually wrote up on Twitter, like, a little, like, my idea for a... Um, for, like, the beginning of a trailer starring her, where you see her, like running you just see the back of some kid like running through like some tunnel that you realize is an aqueduct because there's like water running beneath it and you hear Bail Organa like his voice being like you're reckless you're impulsive you don't listen to authority and then you see the the kid like jump out of the the tunnel and it's like and it pans over and shows like all of Aldera which is the capital of Alderaan and she's like in the air and like comes down in the water like 60 feet below mm-hmm. and then it cuts and shows and Bail Organa is like drying off um, her head with a towel and she and it's a white towel so it's like hanging over her head kind of like Princess Leia at the yeah. beginning of A New Hope and he says where did you get to be so rebellious and then she looks at him with a, up at him with a smirk and says I learned it from you and then you like cut and like show, begin showing like the rest of the trailer but mm-hmm. I was like that'd be perfect and I would love to see, like, a young Leia, like, discovering that her father is a member of the Rebellion, mm-hmm. and then, like, going off on her first mission despite her father being like, no, and then she ends up, like, sneaking on board a ship or something, and mm-hmm. 
delivering important intel back to the rebels and stuff like that. But the problem is that if you wait too long, that's why I'm saying that we need to do like I'm if they want to do a, a Boba Fett movie, fine. But I think before you do that, you need to do Millie Bobby Brown because eventually she's going to age up to the point where she's going to yeah. be the same age as Leia. Yeah. And we wanted a prequel, not like because otherwise it doesn't doesn't look like her. You know, it doesn't work. So right. Um, Why do we have to age as people? And make, I know, right? Make things so much more simple. I know. It should just be like that Justin Timberlake movie where everybody stops aging at age twenty five. Despite the fact that everybody in that movie was at least like thirty-five and mm. looked thirty-five, yeah, <laughs> that didn't work. Yeah. Fourth wall broken. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, get on to our main topic here. We just, as we said, just got back from seeing Solo for a second time, so we have lots. And lots of thoughts, and unfortunately, Gabe isn't here for me to hear his thoughts, but almost everything I've heard for it from him is all about droid rights. He, like, really, really loved mm-hmm. that whole plotline. That was his favorite plotline. But we'll get to that, because we're going to go ahead and, like, work our way chronologically right. through the movie. Okay. So, the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was really, really impressed, because uh, both Kira and Han looked like they were probably, like, 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did, like, if it was makeup, if it was, like, a little bit of CGI to, like, smooth out their features a little bit or what, but, like, I believe that they were, like, older teenagers um, who were a member of this gang. Yeah. I absolutely got, from the beginning, like, chasing a feel, because I watched it on the plane recently, uh, a baby driver feel from, like, Han Solo. Yeah. And, like, gloves. Yeah, and like, yeah. I absolutely got that feel. And he just, how he was stone cold the whole time, like, while he was just whipping that speeder, like, everywhere, yeah. you know? Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, apparently the gang is called the White Worms, which makes sense because of uh, Lady, uh, I can't remember her name, the big, huge worm lady. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I liked, like, the general look of the gang and everything. Everybody was mm-hmm. wearing, like, the the white jackets of some sort, vests or jackets or whatever. It seemed like predominantly there was like one race that, you know, had some serious light sensitivity issues. Yeah, because both she and like her enforcer, it seemed like he was probably like, maybe he was like a younger version of that race, so he didn't have like the Mm -hmm. big log segmented body, Mm -hmm. like maybe they grow those over time. I I looked her up, she's not a race that we've seen anywhere in like outside of like the new canon. It could also be semi-reminiscent of uh, a deep D&D reference, but, like, you know, how the, the Yanti have, like, their walkers, and then they have like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, big, the, the abominations, which are the Yeah, well, I mean, that guy was a dude, like so it's possible, like, yeah. the females are, like, these big, huge, gigantic And, and they just um, are more humanoid and, and yeah. males, yeah, maybe. Um, I also really like the dogs. I think, I, yes. I was, I kept looking at them, I think those were, like, dogs in costumes, because they moved so well. I thought they were just it didn't English like, bulldogs without any makeup on. I've had that. <laughs> do, do you often put like, makeup on your English bulldog? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were just like, you know, they just took uh, the lipstick just, off of them. Let's just throw these bulldogs in. Yeah. I, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but like the way that they moved and everything felt like really, really real. And the fact Actually, they were like walking around on set and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, so they, so it wasn't like, like they could have been a puppet like for up close and, sh- and stuff. But I feel like they may have done a willow type thing, which would make sense because it is Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, that they maybe did a willow thing and threw a costume over a dog. If it was CGI, I'd be really impressed with it. Right. And and that would be, like, super easy, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, using them as those guard-type dogs, I mean, you just get a couple of German Shepherds and yeah. put, put a green suit on them and 
make yeah. it happen. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's pretty easy. Um, what else was going on on Corellia before we get to the spaceport? Um, oh, one reference that I did like is that because it like it's difficult to tell exactly what's canon right now and what's not because I've not read every single one of the comics. I've not read every single one of the of the books. Um, but like it used to be that you just knew that everything was canon, and so so when I see something become canon again, I get excited. Mm-hmm. So they mentioned Coronet Spaceport, and Coronet City is the capital of Corellia mm-hmm. in the Legends stuff. So now that's officially canon. If it wasn't already from you know mm-hmm. some other medium, but like anytime I hear like them throw out stuff that basically was excised as soon as The Force Awakens mm-hmm. came out. I'm like, hey, there's something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought the speeder was cool because it was like this weird flat thing. Like, it, it, it just reminded me of, because they were doing such, they were doing a prequel. Yeah. And everything in the modern movies is so like rounded and stuff. Yeah. That just reminds me of like an early 60s Cadillac that's just like a boat. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it was flat and long and wide. Yeah, and I'm just like if this thing is a Cadillac convertible, you know yeah. what I mean? And he's it, just whipping it all over the place. And that cool like loop that he did mm-hmm. to get it like that he was pulling a sharper turn than the other one mm-hmm. behind the bus and everything was a was a cool trick that I, I when I saw that scene the second time I was like I feel like they plant like they like really sat down and were like mm-hmm. it's a simple maneuver like it's something that I that I could do in my car mm-hmm. but like how are we going to pull that off to make it so that he ends up like basically just getting a little bit further away from them because mm-hmm. he can pull a sharper turn than them. Um, the, uh, Oh, also when he, they're racing through the shipyard, um, right near the end of the whole chase, um, you can see off to the side, there are a bunch of like tie fighters stacked up on top of each other. Like they're bo- the bodies. They don't have mm-hmm. the wings on them yet. Right. But I'd only noticed it the second time around. Um, that they had that, um, and uh, I feel like that was probably an actual shipyard that they filmed that in, just because it was so like it's a good constructed and everything. Yeah, because I mean, you like I, you and I have spent time in Northrop Grumman. Yeah. Like I mean, it's it's there's stuff yeah. everywhere. Exactly. There's yeah. ships up on blocks. There's yeah. like uh, it's it looks just like that. Yeah, like that's completely accurate. exactly. It was it was pretty real. So I I liked that a lot. Um, so the spaceport. They end up getting split up. Mm-hmm. Um, and First of all, yeah. co- completely, completely legit as far as my Navy recruiting experience. Yeah. I, it was five seconds that I was in. They're like, do you have a pulse? Yeah. Do you have four limbs? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Good exactly. Um, and that was, with, well, with me too, it was pretty much like, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have, and, and the, the lack of interest. Yes. It was like, listen, we don't need you, but if you want to join us, sure. Sure. I also liked um, when he saw the big, huge, like, banner, mm-hmm. and it was showing the pictures of TIE Fighters and the Star Destroyers and stuff. If you listen carefully, they're playing the Imperial March, but in a major key instead of a minor key. Mm-hmm. So it's very so it sounds much more positive and, and uplifting and, and patriotic, everything. patriotic, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, some people apparently are pretty upset with the whole, like, naming him Solo. But I liked it. I thought it was just fine. Like his name could his last name could have been Solo, but if you that's more of like the the military paperwork stuff. You could not leave that blank if the person right. was like I don't have a last name. You'd be like, "Well, you have to do something." And just the fact that like not everything has to be 
super heroic and explained with so much depth yeah, and stuff like, like that. It can be just a five-minute joke yeah. that, that somebody, you know, how'd you get the last name of Solo? Yeah. I was by myself. Yeah, exactly. And some guy thought it was funny. Um, the... Uh, also, his whole like eagerness of like I'm gonna be the best pilot in the galaxy, and the guy be like, uh huh, sure, because every single recruiter has that of like the kids coming in and being like, I'm gonna be a Navy SEAL, and I've known, I know, I've known probably about ten people who were certain when they went into boot camp that they were gonna be Navy SEALs, and they are not Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> I literally rode to the recruiting station with Danger Zone playing in my car, like, on loop. because Because yeah. Top Gun just is the best Navy recruiting tool yeah. of all time. You know? <laughs> and so, uh, so and, you know, Han Solo absolutely could have just seen Top Gun right before that. I'm going to yeah. be a pilot. It's going to be amazing. I yeah. have the need. The need for hyperspeed. Hyper <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So he's like, yeah, I'm going to go, and I'm going to see the galaxy. I'm going to be a pilot. And then three years later, he's on Mimbin getting ruined. Like, that was, like, the, the, the most miserable-looking battle ever. It's real bad. It's just mud. Everybody's dying. Um, it felt, like, really, really realistic, kind of on, the, like, the same way that, like, Rogue One, when you saw that street battle, mm-hmm. you were like, this feels like a war film. That, like, it's right there. And it felt like a World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, film because there was the trenches and everything and um, you know the, the Galactic Civil War um, is supposed to be kind of um, World War II with mm-hmm. your stormtroopers and all that different stuff and yes this had stormtroopers but it, it was like they were like hearkening back to World War I style mm-hmm. stuff especially the troops they were with the way that they were um, and also they aren't stormtroopers like we've only ever seen stormtroopers which which are, you know, they're supposed to be, like, elite troops, but we've only ever seen them. So suddenly seeing all these, like, ground troop grunts mm-hmm. who weren't even, like, worthy of yes. putting on the white armor. So, like, I got a very, uh, to pull in a 40K reference, I felt very Imperial Guard. Like, yeah, just very, yeah, yeah. like, these guys are on an alien planet and they are mm-hmm. just screwed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they are just gonna die. And, and they know it. And, and it's brutal. And the Emperor yeah. doesn't care how nope. many thousands of them die. Nope. We're going to bring peace and security to this planet. Oh. Yeah. Brutal. And then there was the really cool walker that had the much thicker legs. Yeah, because um, probably just because they a terrain yeah. feature. Well, I saw a picture of it, and it doesn't have, like, it's a completely open back. Okay. It, like, basically only has the front. It's a, like, turret. It's a, like, AT, um, TP or something, like, which is, like, a turret platform I think Mm. so it's basically this it's a walker that's like much clunkier shorter and it's got a turret on top Mm -hmm. for like a single dude and there's no back protection at all because they're like we don't need it we're just marching forward yeah I just kind of assumed that it was uh, in like uh, in sports whenever the conditions are super muddy they can actually uh, increase the length of their spikes and screw in longer spikes I thought that maybe that was just a terrain based yeah be like let's put on thicker legs yeah because like obviously the the chicken legs aren't going to work for this Yeah, let's get something a little stockier that has some traction now Mimbin um, it showed up in the very first novel ever written about Star Wars that, that for the longest time hasn't been completely officially considered canon 
but still kind of is, mm-hmm. because it, introdu- it had introduced Kyber Crystals, mm-hmm. um, which was a crystal that enhanced your ability to use the Force. This was a Splinter of the Mind's Eye, was the book. It enhanced your ability to use the Force, and it was written as a sequel to... In fact, I think we talked about it on the podcast before. It was written as a sequel to A New Hope by Alan Dean Foster in case they didn't make enough money to be able to do mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. And so it has a bunch of things that sort of feel Empire Strikes Back-ish. Like, Luke ends up confronting Vader on this planet. It's like a swamp planet. Um, and uh, he and Leia... He and Leia end up, like, making out and are, like falling in love on this planet so obviously they still didn't know what was going on with Luke mm-hmm. and Leia um, and so that was um, that was cool to see them, them show men, but despite the fact we only saw just like a bunch of mud like, right. we don't really know anything else about the planet from the movie it's all you needed to know but, really. exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a terrible place to be yeah um, so then he meets the crew and then gets gets himself thrown in um, the pit with the beast mm-hmm. And when, I, when he first got thrown in the pit, I'm like, okay, what's the cool new Star Wars creature we're going to see? Mm-hmm. Because there's always a creature of some sort. Right. Um, and then, the, but the minute I saw that foot... Yeah, expertly I like, done, I thought. Yeah. Expertly yeah. done. Yeah. Um, and the, I, thought, I thought the fight was cool when he was pushing Solo down into the mud. Mm-hmm. So that, like, he was basically going to drown him in mud until he finally spoke Shirawook to, like, get him to stop. I thought that was, like, a really cool mm-hmm. shot and everything. Uh, I would love to hear from Chewbacca himself the story of how he ended up there. That that yeah. didn't really get explained yeah. much, but how exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because there is you don't see any other Wookiees there. Nope. So, like, what is it? Did they just, like, drag him along in order to make him something that feeds on things? And also, Chewbacca eats people, I think. I think that's what they. Uh, I think that's what they implied. They alluded to that. That Chewbacca eats human he hasn't beings. Been fed in three days. Yeah, and, and it's not like, and they like feed him to the beast, and they're like, "What? Really? We're finally gonna put a human in there instead of some raw meat?" No, no. I think they were excited about. that. I think Chewbacca's been eating people, and they're like, and they were like talking. They're like, "Oh, this one's gonna die too quickly." I'm sure, there's lots of things. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, because obviously Chewbacca hooked up with Maul. Yeah. And he's probably not proud of that either. Yeah. So the, he just has very, Chewbacca is a very dark, yeah. dark yeah. past. <laughs> um, so they get out of there. They end up managing to get on the, the ship. There was a shower scene between Han and Chewie. Adorable. Which I thought was real sexy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really ground my gears. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was surprised just because, like, like it's a, it's like, a mild like it's a mild joke towards like the shipping of Han and Chewie there's there's been that in there was a there was a Penny Arcade comic where they specifically addressed like that Han and Chewie out on those long lone lonely hyperspace flights like sometimes you just you gotta feel the the warmth of a Wookiee and and then they had a shower scene and and what's his face uh, made a you know, a bold comment about sleeping in the lap of a Wookiee. Rio, who was yeah. uh, John Favreau, the director of uh, Iron Man, that was that was who voiced him, and was one of my favorite characters. And I was actually very, very sad when he died mm-hmm. because he was real adorable. I know this was a point I was going to make later, and it's yep. a very overarching point, but I'll make yep. it now. And and I guess we can back it up to the battlefield 
sequence as well throughout yeah. the whole movie. So the direction we have gone in has just been much, much grittier, taking more chances, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, not afraid to kill a character that you really like. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, you know, episode one. Yeah. Uh, that battlefield was on, like, the cleanest green carpet yeah. of, of a hillside. Yeah. You know, and then and as everybody was dying, it was still just like a perfect. Yeah, and it was a bunch of droids, side. so there was no blood and this yeah. and that. And there wasn't this, there wasn't that. And here we have just like mud apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, you are going to die, and yeah. if you don't, you're going to have to survive by eating mud while somebody yeah. comes and rescues you. Like, yeah. And and then on top of that, um, uh, like I said, they're not afraid, uh, unabashedly uh, uh, killed Han Solo. You know what I mean? Unabashedly um, killed these characters. And, yeah. um, and we'll get to it eventually, but I I expected uh, Tandy Newton to last much longer. In the film. Yeah, like, they've really, like, had her, like, at all the interviews and, um, like, on the red carpet she was really heavily featured because mm-hmm. she made a dress, or she had a dress made by some famous designer but the print was all photos of all the different Star Wars action figures that she owns. Yeah, what? it was pretty amazing. And it was like all the black characters yeah, in yeah. Star Wars. that She owns all the action figures, and they took pictures of them, and they put them onto her dress. And so, like, uh, my point being, is, and, and, like, in a very realistic fashion, yeah. like, in, and there's no big lead-up, there's no big drama, it's like, A... It's been a pleasure working with you. I got to kill myself so that we yeah. can win. You know what I mean? Well, and, and the, the really so. interesting thing too is that you have um, a lot of times in different movies, you, you're always going, "How's the character? How are the characters going to get out of this?" Because everybody always turns out okay. Yeah. So in this case, you're like, "Oh man, she's stuck in that bridge. She's got to blow it up. How's she going to get out of this? She's not." Yeah, and that's <laughs> fine because yeah. that's real. Like yeah. that's that's you know. That happens. Yeah, you know, exactly. Not always everybody makes it out. Yeah. Not not every time. And so... Yeah. But apparently uh, a Darth Maul did. Yeah, which... You know what I was talking about. Which we'll, we will go into we'll in detail. Later. We'll address that later. Because people, We're skipping get, too far people get cranky about that. And I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to fix all your brains about that. Um, so we've got... Um, so they go and they, they, they do this job. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed... Like at first, because they never actually said what the, how they were going to do the job or mm-hmm. what exactly they were doing. Mm-hmm. So once I saw what they were doing, I was like, okay, that's a like pretty straightforward train heist. Mm-hmm. Like you de- decouple it from everything else, and then you just take off with all the cash. Um, I really liked those stormtroopers. Yes. Um, in fact, I've been trying to figure out what to do with snow the snowtroopers for my Star Wars Legion miniatures, and I think I'm going to model them all so they look like those cool stormtroopers that have like the special boots and the fur and stuff and I loved 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 the uh, like dual planar rotary train concept yeah like it was like rotating yeah, and stuff like that, that, that it, yeah that it was like attached on the side and then it would like go around the mountain instead of kind of like uh, like on top of it it was awesome yeah. I, I loved the yeah. physics of that it was really cool um, and uh Apparently, like, that coaxium is, they said that's enough to, like, the, there was enough in there to fuel, like... A fleet? It was a whole fleet of Star Destroyers, and then at one point later they said, like, a thousand Star Destroyers. 
in that little tiny space. So that's like really, really powerful stuff. Yeah. And when we saw it go off, like, it was a pretty big explosion. I, I would say it would almost have to be, you know, compared to like, you know, uranium or something like that. Like, on like a like deluxe scale. On a, yeah. on a massive scale. But yeah, yeah I mean, because it doesn't take much uranium to, to power aircraft carriers. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. it takes a rel- relative amount. Um, and, uh, yeah, you don't have like dangerous. a big old you don't have a big old giant chunk of uranium inside a nuclear bomb. You have a little tiny like little sliver bit. of it. Yeah, it's yeah. not much. Um, so the uh, Innis vest, the Innis nest, um, is the cool marauder, and her um, riders are called the cloud riders. Hmm. It's Innis nest and the cloud riders, which is one really great name for a band. Mm-hmm. Two, a, just a really cool name. And three, it's actually from um, old, some old school comics, the um, Cloud Riders of Aduba 3. Um, they were in some of the old comics and some of the old Star Wars adventures from like the old D6 system. So we're talking like um, late 80s, early 90s. Um, but then they hadn't been seen since then. So they were just like, we're going to grab we that ran. badass name. Right. Um, and I really like their speeders too because they weren't like... Yes. A lot of times with speeder bikes, we see that they're able to, like, hover. Mm-hmm. But like, these were flying they speeder fly. bikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, these were the biplanes of the speeder world. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the idea of, like, riding on something that is, like, you're just holding on with it with your hands, and then you got it between your legs, and then there's just empty air down for, like... <laughs> terrifying. 10,000 feet is... Terrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> like, I would never do that. Never. Like, at least please buckle me in, but even then, like, you have the engine go out. Mm. Like... I, under- I understand that if it was, like, fully enclosed, you, you still would not be safer. You just welcome death. You might actually be less safe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it was really cool. cool and uh, But then apparently, like, this whole planet is... has everything mm-hmm. on it because it appears that they don't leave the planet to go talk to um, Voss. And then they don't leave the planet to go talk to Lando either. They don't have a ship. No, that's all just conveniently there. So it's all on the there. same planet. Right, right. And I still don't know what the name is. I haven't bothered to look it up yet, but um, it isn't as convenient as Rogue One where they just told us the names of the planets whenever they would show them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go and see uh, Voss, who he is not in any way related to Quinlan Voss. Apparently it's a common last name in the Star Wars universe. Um, now... We're, we're assuming at this point you've seen the movie, so because I need to point out some stuff about Voss himself. So he's got these red, like, scratches on his face, which I only assume, like, Maul gave him, but also the scratches are, like, somewhat reminiscent of, Rol, of, of Maul's face paint, I noticed. Mm-hmm. And also, he wields a double-ended dagger that has red light coming out of it. Like, mm-hmm. it's he's got he's got a double-bladed red lightsaber. There are like many there's so parallels. many there's so many hints yep. like to it. Um, but before we see him, we see the like that singer with the little dude in the bowl. Yes, <laughs> which I thought was great. I was um, not expecting that guy to start singing. Yeah, <laughs> so great. A, a modern take on the cantina scene. Uh, yeah, when when we have. You know, uh, 
the slime monster from Ghostbusters in a fishbowl. Yeah, and he's like got this deep, low, bellowing voice, which was great. Very white. Yeah, yeah, solid. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of there. Oh, when you first see Voss after he kills that governor, he goes over and and puts his he puts the dagger on the tray in front of this woman who is missing the top of her head. Did you re- notice this? I did not notice okay, that. Okay, so the woman's got white skin. It's a it's a human, or at least humanoid. And then she's got this, like, inch-thick plastic, like, disc halfway up her face. Like, she doesn't have a nose. It, like, that's right where the disc is. And then there's nothing above it. So, like, is she, like, Lobot Extreme, where, like, basically her brain's in this little computer that sits on top of her head and it's, like, right on there, or what? But, like, it was kind of, like, disturbing because she also looked human. It wasn't like they tried to make her look like an alien or something. Right. She just had, like, she had, like, like white, white skin. Not, like, my white skin. Uh, like, white, white, and then that little disc thing, and it was, like, that's kind of trippy. But it was very, very Star Wars still. Yeah. Which I thought was great. 100%. Um... So then they go in and talk. The, the one thing I, the thing I like, really liked about Voss is that how calm he is and caring he seems. Yes, which is so so good. Yeah, I mean, calm ruth- ruthlessness is the best. Yeah, because he like cares. He's like, I'm so sorry to hear about Val. How are you? Are you hurt? Like, and then he's like, Come on, let's go drink and stuff. Oh, by the way, I can't forgive this, and I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, but he's so like, nice about it. Yeah, and then and then and and you don't see his bad side at all until he's like, he says like, "Don't test me" or something. And if you notice when he gets angry, the whites of his eyes go red. Yes, and the scars on his face darker. turn turn deeper and deeper red, which I thought was really cool. Um, and but yeah, it's um, like when he just like lets out that little bit of like rage, it's pretty cool. Um, also. One of the crystal skulls from Indiana Jones is there in his, like, collection of stuff. That's amazing. And then during the battle at the end, it ends up getting shot and blown up. <laughs> so good. I know. Uh, that was really great. Um, and uh, so when they go... Dude, was there anything else you wanted to cover in that? Like, Not in that particular scene, out. no. Yeah. No. Um. I liked how there was just that constant air of danger of everybody being like, at any point he could murder us. Because, like, even um, Kira, she had, like, just this, like, fear in her. And when he told her that she was going along in the mission, basically she knew that he was basically saying, I'm going to kill you if they don't succeed at this mission. And she didn't even sign up for the mission. Like, he was just like, oh, by the way, I just feel like I want to kill you if you don't, if they don't do this. Another resonating theme, too, is I think that later on, uh, they play on Han's ability to be clever and think quickly, like, Mm -hmm. as he is an adult, like, through the, through, uh, four, five, and six, and seven. He is pure luck in this. Yeah. Pure like, like he doesn't think about anything. No, he doesn't think about anything. He, he, he's just like, what about unrefined? And he just kind of threw that out there with no idea of where he was going to go. Yeah, with he's that. like, I don't know. They could have been like, mm, there isn't any, and then just killed him. Yeah, you know what I mean, he didn't know that. Yeah, he and had to like, like oh, yeah, look around and yeah, yeah, exactly, and then yeah. 
And then they kind of concocted this plan from, like, three or four different people as they bounced around, and then Chewbacca chipped in, and they were like, okay, we made it. But but the fact of the matter is, is he had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. Also, um, when you first saw the movie, um, and they began with with Voss being like, you know who I work for, did that end up, like, standing out to you at all? Like, were you like, oh, who could it be? No. Yeah. Not See, really. For me, I was like, okay, they're, they're like, hinting around at something, so I feel like they have to have, like, there's got to be some sort of connection somewhere. But I was like, maybe it's Jabba, except, like, Jabba's too odd. Like, for them to be like, oh, by the way, it's Jabba the Hutt. You'd be like, okay. Like, yeah. I saw, like, so I kept, like, racking my brain, like, only for about, like, five minutes. I kind of like, thought, thought it was maybe just, like, a very generic, like, the Hutt's plural. Yeah. Like, like the, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 whatever, but. But, well, I was just, like, wondering if, like, oh, is it going to be somebody, or is it going to be, like, somebody new that they'll end up, end up introducing? Because I knew, you know, you know, the Boba Fett's movie, movie is coming along, so. It's like, oh, maybe they'll introduce, like, some big bad. But the, the theme throughout the whole thing is kind of that everybody works for somebody, and everybody is under somebody else's thumb. So, like, it makes you go, okay, who's Maul working for then? Um, or, you know. Is he at the top of the food chain? Um, Might be at the top of the food chain for Crimson Dawn, but then there's the other syndicates as well. The Diastic Contend with as well, yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, um, one thing I really liked about this movie is that when I was running my Star Wars campaign back when I was 16, when I first started running Star Wars role-playing games, um, the big bad was a group called the Gemini Syndicate, and they were a criminal organization that was working against the heroes and against Black Sun and the other crime organizations. And so I was so excited with it. Basically, this whole movie was all about the syndicates. And I was like, Gemini Syndicate's somewhere in that list. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you and I completely made Might it off Might not have scratch. showed up on screen. Yeah, but, but they're, they're, they're out there. Um, so then they go to Lando, um, which Donald Glover played him incredibly. Stole the show. Yeah. Stole the show. Like, he's got the perfect, like, delivery. Sounds exactly the like swagger him. is on 11. Yeah. It's just amazing. And the, the writer, I think, came out and said that Lando is pansexual, basically meaning that he'll be with anybody. He doesn't care. Um, and then people were like, yeah, but you can't just have that subtext throughout um, without actually, like, like, what's the point of having, like... What's the point of J.K. Rowling saying Dumbledore is gay if, you're, if there's no actual evidence throughout the whole thing? Like, you aren't going to make right. little kids... It's pointless draw. Yeah, it's pointless. So, but I felt like they actually did. Because Lando regularly refers to everybody as baby and beautiful. Like, he tells Han, you may need to buckle up, baby. Stuff like that. Like, like I definitely got the feeling... Yeah, that a very loose, he absolutely is loose just vibe. very loose in his sexuality. He's like, yeah, I don't care who they are. Yeah, um, and that matches that to to really just put that flamboyance over the top. I mean, that yeah. makes sense. You yeah, know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so he was fantastic. Um, I loved seeing Sabak on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to getting an actual Sabak deck because there's a, a Han Solo card game that's coming out or that's come out that apparently, like, removes all of the, like, the suits and the face cards, and so it only has, like, the plus and minus numbers and stuff. Um, so hopefully at some point we'll get, like, the cards that are actually, like, in the movie so we can actually play legit Sabacc. Because mm-hmm. um, it works kind of like 
it's kind of a cross between poker and blackjack, where you're trying to hit, um, hit a specific, hit a specific number. number. In the move, in the movie, it looks like they've made it so that you're trying to hit zero. So you have negative cards and positive cards, and you're trying to get as close to zero as possible. Uh, but then there's other combinations that are also, you know, good and stuff like that, like the all staves that Han was bragging about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lando's cheating at cards is actually a thing that showed up throughout the books throughout the years. Um, but s- like at more like advanced Sabak halls, kind of like the one, the one on like Canto Bite and stuff, the cards are digital. And so they would randomly change faces at points. There would be the shift and like all your cards can suddenly change in the middle of like you betting. Um, and so he had a special card that he could press the bottom of and it would change the face of it to be whatever he wanted it to be. So having him be like a cheater at cards does actually like mm. fit in with what we've seen in the in all the novels and stuff and it, over the and years. It's, and it's great because that was that was a plot twist. I mean, you yeah. you completely expected. Oh, this is where he wins the Millennium Falcon. And yeah. it isn't. It is not. He lost everything. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, plus, they didn't even reveal like I even after like when we saw that Lando had cheated. Um. I was expecting Han to discover that at some point in the movie, not the very last scene. I expected at some point if going to be like, wait, I should have won that Millennium Falcon. Yep. But instead it wasn't until the very end. And another completely uh, wonderful moment of Han, just no plan. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I got a ship, I'll wager it. Like, and yeah. bookies everywhere would have killed him for that. You yeah. know what I mean? Just because yeah. he did not have there a ship. There was no ship there. Yeah. But at the same time, Lando didn't have a ship either. His was in an impound. But <laughs> Han didn't know that. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, it's just uh, yeah. it's just another like brilliant way of you know Han flying by the seat of the pants, seat of his pants through this whole movie. Yeah. Um, so they bust the Millennium Falcon out of impound. Um, oh, um, when uh, going back really quick, when they're planning um, their robbing of the train. Val says, because he's like, who else would you rather get rather than Han and Chewie? And she says, the Something Sisters or Bosk, who's the Trandoshan bounty hunter in Empire Strikes Back, the the lizard dude. I thought that was a nice little callback. And then when they're in the cantina with Lando, he says, you're the guy who killed Ara Singh. And Ara Singh is the white-skinned lady uh, who was watching the pod race um, with the like the red hair. Um, and in the comics and the books and everything, she's a much more prominent character. There's a whole storyline called The Hunt for Ara Singh. Um, so she's really, really important. So then having that in there was another like callback to the older stuff as well, which I thought was cool. Um, so they go and they rob the... They, or they steal the Millennium Falcon. I really liked what they did with Kessel. Like, like going through that whole... There's a tunnel, tunnel and everything. through a storm. That's, yeah. that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, then the, and then there's these, like, basically chunks of carbon the size of planets that are smashing into each other on the other side of the, that thing. Um, I thought that was really cool, too. And the little beacons that lit the way. And then it just at random points, you have to jump to hyperspace to, like, get past certain points and stuff. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. Um, the droid uprising. I know that Gabe really, really wants to go into the whole droid uprising. Like, I think our next podcast that we record together is going to be all about droid rights and stuff like that. Um, but um, it, was a, it was a pretty straightforward breakout. Like, I, it was... Yeah. That the, the, besides the droid 
revolution, their plan didn't really like stand out to me as being like a genius plan. No, <laughs> it was it more like we're just sort of to walk in and hopefully they'll let us in, and then we're going to walk out with all the stuff. Because it didn't look like it was like terribly well guarded either. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just and and it probably should have been. But, yeah. Um, and I really liked the idea of, you know, again, you know, not every droid is smooth and Mm -hmm. you know sleek and stuff like that you had these clunky droids in there like the one that was stomping on the keyboard it's just like (laughs) i don't even know what that was but i don't know everything's very boxy and like you know it's very callback to you know early times rather than you know having these sleek beautiful robots exactly yeah um so they bust their way out of kessel um l3 gets demolished Mm -hmm. And that's where you see the like how much Lando really cares mm-hmm. about L three, which when they're th- going through the Storm Two Castle, like apparently L three has been equipped with like sex parts because because <laughs> Kira says, "Well, how would that work?" And L three goes, "Oh, it work." I instantly decided. You know what? Or maybe both. Yeah, that's my heteronormative thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they bust <laughs> so they bust their way out. Lando's like destroyed over his robot, mm-hmm. which felt really bad. Um, which allowed Han to then finally step into the pilot seat, mm-hmm. which he was excited for. And then Kira tried to step in mm-hmm. to the co-pilot seat. So I liked that there was just sort of that little like exchange where they were like moving around seats until finally you're like, oh, finally Chewbacca's in that chair. Yep. I've been waiting for this. I'm so glad. Yep. Um, they keep teasing you. Yeah. Time and time again. But then they tear out um, L3's brain and stick it in the Falcon, which explains so much. And um, Gabe was saying that, well, that means that Lando actually owns the Falcon. But if you believe in droid rights, that's not true because she isn't property. She's her own person. But it also explains our, uh, C-3PO's Empire Strikes Back comment that's one of my favorites in the movie, where he says, Captain Solo, I don't know you, where your ship learned to communicate, but it has the most peculiar dialect. Um, so he's talking to L3 there, which I think is great. And I, I think it was the, uh, the, the article that was put up you know, from you guys mm-hmm. about like how dark that could actually be. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's... You know, I read that article and I loved it because it's just like, oh my goodness! Like, yeah. if if you were trapped inside this thing, yeah, for just over time, first of all, like, basically some guy came and took you from your lover and yeah. just like used you through all this time, and then you were just sitting rusting on a planet yeah. forever, just trapped in this cage. Like, yeah, just how horrifying but that then, is. And but then also, she was the one who suggested. Going to Lando, because he's going through the star charts, and then he goes, Lando. He doesn't like. He wasn't looking up and seeing who was the regional governor, or the who who like was the governor of of Cloud City. Mm-hmm. He was flipping through stuff when L three is like, oh, Lando's at Bespin. Like, so she was like, let's go. Let, can we go to Lando, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And, uh, but also, again, tying back to my Star Wars game, that um, one thing that I had done with my, my Star Wars game back in the day that still holds through for the because it's continued on now um, to the modern day, um, that the, their ship, the Iron Dawn, has a, um, a droid vocabulator in every single room and has an astromech droid that's been, like, disassembled and put into the computer system. It's just like L3. But the vocabulator allows the ship to then talk back to them and stuff, which I think would only be fair to do to L3, except that you'd have to hear her, like, proclaiming ship rights. <laughs> yes. <I> just... <laughs> <laughs> just overall bitching. Yeah, free yeah. the ships. Yeah. Um, so get me a body. Get me out of this ship. Yeah. I want to walk around. Yeah. So they go blasting through. Um, I like really liked the big giant octopus. Yes, the the, the space was, kraken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was really cool. really cool. Space um, Cthulhu with all of its eyes and yeah. tentacles. And, yeah. I love yeah. that. Like you first see that one eye, and then it turns, and like the Millennium Falcon banks off, and you see like it's racing past all the other eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, horrifying yeah <laughs> but then when they get to the maw which is part of the old canon as well for castles they weren't making up brand new stuff they're like this gravity well called the maw it's this big huge thing it's just eating everything um apparently ron howard when they were trying to figure out what to do with the kraken they were like does it just get like pulled in they were trying to figure out how to make it look cool and he was like no like one of the things that star wars has always had is a little bit of extreme violence that gets kids excited that they got actually got away with being able to see that. Like Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen or the mm-hmm. the arm being lobbed off of the um, Wampa, um, the, the Tauntaun getting cut open, and then going over to Indiana Jones and watching everybody's faces get melted off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he said, let's have it, like, you don't have blood and everything, but let's have, like, all of its skin get shredded off. Yeah. And so you get to see its skull and everything. Um, and so, like, have that little bit of, like, violence in there, that, bit like, of gore gets, there that gets kids excited, like, whoa, I can't believe my parents let me come to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I was, like, the second time around, I was, like, really watching that. That was a kind of cool mm-hmm. um, shot as well. And then I didn't know how they were, like, when they injected that fuel in there, and then it just all shut off, I was, like okay, I really have no idea how they're going to get out of this. Because initially I was thinking they were going to inject it and it was going to shoot off. But when it suddenly didn't, and it like almost went into the maw, I was like, okay, they can't let everybody die, but they they, they just killed the engine. How are they going to get out of this? I was mm-hmm. I was expecting them to like do like a loop around the gravity well, do like a slingshot maneuver or something, but then instead it just is like, oh, no, it's just... Or they just like land on the body of the Kraken as it's like sinking into the maw, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else about the... I don't think so. I And again, another beautiful moment of Han not knowing what to do. I mean, it was a brilliant maneuver to get close enough to the Maw to mm. uh, get out. But then he's like, oh, yeah. And we can't go anywhere. We get, we're stuck. Yeah. Uh, that was cool, but we're stuck. Yeah. And so... Uh, oh, also, um, when he does that, like, landing gear trick yes. where he knocks up all the all the ice and rocks... You actually see it puncture the window of the TIE fighter and, like, freeze the pilot solid. Mm-hmm. You hear, like, the cracking, and he's, like, yeah. all, like, So, at everything. first, I thought, yeah. when we watched it the first time, yeah. I thought that was Beckett. 
I, I thought that that was because it has a similar where where the gun or where the bridge oh, is. Oh, I see. I was like, okay, like, and where the gun is, it has they, kind of a similar yeah. cockpit. I'm just like, holy shit, Beckett's dead. You yeah, know what I mean? And he just freeze. died just by accident. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, that would have been crazy, but yeah. then it wasn't. So. Also, the Millennium Falcon, completely different gun mm-hmm. than you see in, in the later films. Yep. And also, it apparently it apparently does not have a top gun. It only has the ventral cannon. Yep. Because, like, otherwise, like, when his cannon died, he would have run up to the other also, <laughs> one and handled that one. I was like, okay, when, when you first see the Millennium Falcon, I'm like, okay, why doesn't it have a notch in the front? Yeah. But here it's like it was... real long, yeah. Here, I believe, was the escape pod. And he said he added... When, he, when they first showed it, he said, I added on an escape pod. But they don't see where yeah. that's supposed to be on the ship... Which makes sense because YT thirteen hundreds, like according to all the other cannon, they don't have this thing sticking off the front. Mm-hmm. So he just basically filled that basically area filled in. that area in and added on this whole extra front piece. Yeah, and so basically yeah. for the rest of time, they just decided just not to replace the, the yeah. escape pods. Also, the um, the set, the flat satellite dish that rested flat against mm-hmm. the top got ripped off as well. Yeah, so they'd have to replace that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go to this other desert planet so we now are at our fourth desert planet in the Star Wars series yeah. um, where you get to see all those people they really like those yeah, yeah. Um, and I really liked the reveal that Enfys Nest was actually like the daughter of Enfys Nest yes and also protagonist and not yeah. antagonist yeah, yeah. and um, apparently uh, Warwick Davis with, who he was also in episode. He, besides being uh, Wicket the Ewok, he was also in episode one as like not wearing not wearing any makeup. Apparently, that's the same character that he played in this one. Like it's, it's he was there watching the pod race back in the day. He's now a member of this new rebellion. Very cool. Yeah, and then also that dude who had like the face mask and with like the tubes in it. That's the same dude that we see working for. Um, uh, in Rogue One, for uh, why can't I think of the name, the the rebellion, the 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 rebellion that Jin was part of, what's his name? Oh right, yeah yeah yeah. Um, what would you become? Yeah. Oh, Forrest Whitaker or whatever. <laughs> Forrest uh, Whitaker's character. Yeah. Anyway, that guy is part of Forrest Whitaker's whole group. Like when okay. I, when that guy first like I saw his face, I was like, oh that that must be the same the same guy, and then they go off and form their rebellion, which I thought um, worked well, this whole rebellion idea. Um, so some people have said it's not consistent with Han, like, rejecting the rebellion. But if you look at it, he ended up helping out this rebellion and ended up losing his mentor and the girl he loved, and it didn't really seem worth it in the end and, for him to, like... Yeah, and I thought the same thing, but then you're also like, okay, this rebellion... Mm-hmm. Isn't against the empire. Mm-hmm. It's against the crime syndicates because yeah. she she laid out at the very beginning. The crime syndicates run this place, and we're you know yeah. It said nothing about the empire. So yeah. really, that rebellion isn't the rebellion. It's yeah. just a rebellion. Yeah, and it's showing that people are rising up around the galaxy. Yeah. To oppose the which corrupt. eventually probably turns into mm-hmm. more. Exactly. You know, but yeah. But this this very localized rebellion mm-hmm. is is not like the rebellion that we're used to seeing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, Han shoots first against Beckett, which I thought was 
Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very heel move. And yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, I'm not going to give this guy the opportunity. Yeah. I, I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then with the the fight with Dryden, with that was pretty cool. I especially liked when he was, like, fighting against Kira, and she brought the sword up to block him. And, like, they were, like, the, the two blades were clashed, but then his was slowly eating its way through yeah. her sword, which that was really cool. Um, trying to think of anything else in that in that fight scene that like stood out a lot. I was just noticing like so much. Like it, it wasn't until like that fight that was when I noticed I was like, wait a minute. He's got double bladed lightsabers and he's got yep. face scars like Maul. <laughs> um so then Maul's appearance, um I loved that this is even the second time we went to go see it, you still had people going, what? And gasping and leaning into their seats. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, so here's the explanation. Because you you were, like, not aware of it, right? Like, what was... I wasn't. Okay. Uh, I heard it had something to do with the Rebels series? Well, it actually goes back to the Clone Wars series. Okay. So in the Clone Wars series, actually, it goes back even further. Because the original appearance was, there was this series... Um, this comic called Star Wars Visionaries um, that came out just as Episode 3 came out. And um, they took a bunch of the concept artists for Episode 3 and have, had them make their own little, like, mini-comic issues. And in that one, Obi-Wan is on... And they were, they were supposed to be outside of canon. Um, Obi-Wan is on Tatooine protecting Aunt, uh, Luke when... And Luke's, like, a 10-year-old boy when this cloaked figure shows up at the farm and Obi-Wan shows up to stop him and when the guy pulls back his hood it's revealed to be Darth Maul and then he reveals that he's got these robot legs and then they end up fighting and Obi-Wan ends up killing Darth Maul and so that's the yeah yeah. and um, so that was the origins of it and people were like that's so cool that then when the Clone Wars cartoon series came out they first introduced this bad guy um, named uh now I feel bad because I can't remember because it's such a ridiculous name. Oh, um, Savage Oppress. No, Savage Oppress, but it's Savage Oppress. And he was a, um, another, um, Zabrak. Um, and it turns out his brother was Darth Maul. And then Darth Maul shows up with robot legs. And, um, he ends up doing all kinds of stuff in the series that I don't have time to go into. And then over on the rebel side of things, Darth Maul shows back up again with the robot legs and, uh, rebels takes place like just like a year or two before, um, a new hope. So it's, so now you've got like a 20 year gap mm-hmm. where you don't know what, what's going on there. So apparently in that 20 year gap, he ended up going and, forming this crime syndicate mm-hmm. and doing that for a while before going on and um, doing his own thing in um, Rebels. So um, so there is precedent for it throughout the um, throughout the whole series, but I've seen people online who are very, very upset that they would do this and completely destroy the canon by having that happen. And when people were saying, no, it's in the cartoons, they're like, you expect me to watch the cartoons to understand that you didn't ruin the canon? They're like, listen, it's not 
it's not the fans' faults that you weren't decided not to be enough of a fan to watch everything else. Like, you could just Google it afterwards if you're going to be upset about it. I think one thing that I would love to see yeah. is to have this moment and maybe even do it in the Boba Fett film. Yeah. I don't know how you would do it exactly, but have this moment where, you know, Darth Maul tries to return to serve the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, sorry, I found a new guy. Yeah. And just have this, like, Vader v. Maul moment. Yeah. And then maybe maybe that's why he went... Or maybe it's before. Maybe that's why he went off and did the crime syndicate. Because yeah. it's just like, I don't need your services anymore. Yeah, I'm like, good. And you're broken. Yeah. Um, I've got this other guy who's way more broken, but never mind way that. Way more angry. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, but to have yeah. that, like, uh, that maybe moment between Vader and Maul would yeah. be really great, I think. Yeah. So, um, I think that pretty much covers... Well, so we got this final scene with Lando. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I really loved about Lando is, one, this appears to be a subtropical, mm-hmm. perhaps, moon. Because Lando mentioned in a game of, that he won he owns one. a subtropical moon that he won in a game of Sabacc. So that's where I was guessing this actually is. Um, yeah. It would make sense. That, I didn't that draw that parallel, point. but that's really nice. I didn't, I didn't draw that parallel until, this, until the second time we watched it when he said that. I was like, I'll bet that's the moon at the end of the movie. And that would make sense for why Han was able to track him so easily. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but then also, Lando's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's still Lando's cl- yeah. style clothing, but that's definitely a Hawaiian shirt. 100%. And he's got white pants. He's like in total, like... Grandpa on vacation mode. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Still swagger on. Yeah, on eleven. I feel like I feel like he probably is wearing brown loafers with no socks. Yeah, yeah. Like if only we had been able to pan down a little bit more, he'd totally be wearing wearing the loafers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so then Han wins the Millennium Falcon, and flies off, and so he steals Lando's girlfriend from him, like a real ass. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I really liked it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I've seen people's complaints, um, but I don't really care. Not terribly well founded. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's, it was a fun movie. It was better than I expected. I, was ex- I wanted to at least go into the movie and come out and be like, I was fine. Yeah, see, but, see, that was it, right? Like, Solo needed to come to the plate, didn't need a home run. Yeah. And I would dare say that you couldn't possibly have hit a home run. Yeah. I think because you already know these plot points are ahead, all they need to be done is executed in a way that I can enjoy. Yeah. If you if you flub that and you strike out, then that's terrible. But all yeah. you need to do is hit a double. That was it. Single double. Yeah. And I believe this completely accomplished that. Yeah. It all you needed to do is hit a single or double and ended up hitting a triple. I like yeah. it wasn't a home run. No. But it was a really entertaining but, but like film. I, said, I don't think it actually could have been. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a point where everybody would be blown away by a story they already knew. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that pretty much covers the movie, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked your else? point, too. I, I can bring that in, that uh, that it would be really sweet to do uh, Boba Fett as a solo sequel that yeah, yeah, features... Yeah, yeah. That features all the same people, so you still have yeah. Kira in it. Yeah. Uh, 
Kira hiring Boba Fett to go after after Han. After Han. Yeah. So that way you can still tie in everything. You could even then have a scene with with Kira and Maul where Maul is like, when I drug myself out of that pit on Naboo and put on robot legs, just so you can explain it to the people who were who were cranky because they didn't, because they they haven't paid attention to anything Star Wars in the last twenty years. That that episode one was twenty years ago, like <coughs> Darth Maul has been showing up in all like the commercials for different shows and stuff like that. So, um. Yeah, so I think that's um, a good place to stop. We're not going to do trivia because, one, uh, we don't have the cards. Two, Brian's not part of it, so, like, mm. he would get a total of, like, like at most six points. <laughs> um, and then he would just sit there at six points for forever until I eventually get around to seeing him again. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and I'm already ahead. I'm already beating Gabe. And I don't want to increase my that much by adding in more points than Gabe doesn't get. So, um, I'm, I'm not the good guy. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and end it there. And um, thanks for listening. And uh, we should have a new episode coming out um, once I'm back. I know it's been like now a month and a half, but um, I'm back in only a few weeks and we should sit down and record at some point. So. Say goodbye, Brian. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. See you next time. Bye. Hey, kid. Put together a podcast. Are you in? That's a yes.